I'm Sharon Betters, and this is the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. And at Mark Inc., we have a vision for offering help and hope, especially to hurting people. One of the ways that we do that is by telling stories, especially stories that are with people who have experienced loss and hard places. And some of the most difficult life crises are told in these stories uh, on our website at markinc.org. Some of these stories are also about walking by faith in a way that is instructive for others, uh, for us. And today, my guest is Carol Arnold. Carol Arnold is 83 years old, and she helped us with our book, Aging with Grace, Flourishing in an Anti-Aging Culture, that I co-authored with Susan Hunt. Carol shares a little bit of her story at the end of one of the chapters, and She has such a depth to her and wisdom that I know is going to encourage you no matter what pathway you are on. Carol and her husband uh, co-founded Equipping Pastors. She and her husband, Jack, traveled all over the world before Jack's death, telling uh, the story of the gospel and especially focusing on marriage for pastors and their wives. And after his death, Carol continues to take that message. And I often wonder how in the world she got the energy to do what she's doing. So Carol, thank you so much for joining us today. And before we jump into um, talking about the ministry that you have and uh, some of the things that God has equipped you to do, tell us a little bit about your life right now. Well, my life right now is amazing. Traveling quite a bit. I just got back last week from a road trip After flying into Minneapolis, we went to Mackinac Lake with my two best friends. The week before that, I took a road trip up to Tennessee and North Carolina and Atlanta to see friends and family. And the week before that, I had just returned from a trip to Kenya to see uh, family and do some ministry in Kenya. So I'm able to travel and I I love it. I, I love gardening. I love cooking. I love reading. I love sewing watching Hallmark movies. I keep busy and I am blessed to have, uh, not to have family nearby, but to have a lot of friends and a wonderful church to keep me quite occupied. Carol, I've asked you more than once, what vitamins are you taking? Because (laughs) uh, your life is so full and so many of us, I know, would not be able to do what you're doing, uh, but you are a picture of God equipping you for the calling that he has given to you. So tell us a little bit about that calling that you have through equipping pastors. How did it start and what is your role today? Uh, My husband was a pastor for 33 years and was given a sabbatical. And during that sabbatical, he went over to teach some pastors in Africa from 11 different nations. And when he returned, he couldn't get those faces out of his mind. And he said, these people are hungry for teaching. And so he began the ministry of Equipping Pastors International. And I traveled with him. And I'm not a theologian, and I've not been to seminary, but I had been a pastor's wife for many, many years. And I had had experiences in my own marriage that were failures and neglectful and hard. And so I began to teach those things that I knew and what God had taught me, both through biblical teaching and counseling and my own experiences. And so I taught a marriage and my husband also taught with me, but he also taught a lot of theology to the pastors. When he died, I didn't think I'd be able to continue, but the the supporters that had been faithful to my husband said, Carol, 
you're teaching pastors and wives things that they need to know and that pastors today need to teach their congregations. And so I've been blessed to be able to to continue to go and to teach and to travel to different countries where I'm invited and tell them the things that God has taught me. Well, one of the ways that you are teaching is through the book that you wrote, The Liberation of a Resentful Wife. And you're so transparent in that book. Some people might say, wow, why would she be so transparent about those broken places in her life? So why would you be so willing to share about the hard places? Well, I didn't expect to ever write a book, but I was encouraged actually by my husband to write the book and to share with other people the things that I had learned. It was painful for him to know that for many years I had resented being a helper and I had fallen out of love with my husband. And yet through God's grace and the teaching and counseling, I learned some things that transformed my life and liberated me so that I can say our last, after 27 years of struggling in my marriage, the last 20 years were good years. Uh, We were married for 47 years. And those are the things that I share. I think that God brings us through a lot of trials and tribulations, and there's people in the Bible that we know failed, and yet God blessed, and I think he did that with me, and so my book is hopefully a message of hope to people that it's never too late for God to redeem a marriage, and that even after many, many years of struggle, uh, you're never too old to learn what God can do in a life that cries out to him for help. I appreciate you saying that, that you're never too old to find your way to him and his purposes. We will have Carol's book on our, in our program notes at markinc.org. Check it out, order it. And I know that you're going to be encouraged and challenged in your own life, in your own marriage. And it's for all ages. In fact, probably the younger you are, maybe the better so that you can learn from Carol's life. It's so interesting to me, Carol, that you went through 20 years of hard in your marriage, and then you experienced joy and healing, and then God takes you into this ministry where that's what you talk about, where you're talking to pastors and wives in third world countries often where marriage is so different than what we typically think of marriage to be. How are some of the ways that God has used those hard places? What for fruit where you have seen, ah, I can see why I went through those hard times. Well, as I've traveled around the world, the one thing I have seen is that marriages are struggling everywhere. Marriages are under the attack of the enemy to be destroyed since the very beginning of time. Uh, The marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. And the enemy doesn't like that. And so marriages are difficult. We should expect that we're in warfare when we're in a marriage, but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, which I did with against my husband for many years. We we have an enemy that wants to destroy. My husband and I were on the same team, and I had to learn that the enemy knows that if he can destroy a marriage, he can destroy a ministry. And so if you're in ministry, you're under double attack in your marriage. And that is the, the message I try to give to people. Not only is it helpful to struggling marriages, but I think my book is also a little bit preventative in helping you understand your role 
in marriage, when I got married, I didn't know what it meant to be a biblical wife. I had only been a believer for six months and didn't know much about what the Bible said about marriage, which is a lot. And so it was a long time coming for me to understand that marriages are in trouble. Women around the world want the same thing I want. They want good marriages. They want a solid family. They want to serve the Lord and be um, honoring to him, but they have the same struggles. And so we're pretty much the same. And the Bible was written to every tribe and tongue and nation. And so as I share my experiences, as well as biblical truth, it can resonate wherever I go. I remember one of the things that you said, I'm pretty sure it's in your book, is that you had to realize that your husband was created by the Lord. And some of the things that annoyed you so much, you found out that actually God made him that way and that there was an opportunity for you to love him in those places. Can you explain a little bit more about that? Well, I was from a family of all girls and I didn't know too much about men. And as I said, I didn't know anything hardly at all about the Bible and I didn't understand my creator design or my husband's. And so much of the things I resented from my husband I finally realized that those were needs that God put in my husband back in Genesis 2. As I read through Genesis 2, I I read, you know, need after need that my husband was created with because God wanted to create me as a woman to complete him and to be his helper. And those, those things that he needed were not sin. And that's why I resented him for so many years, because I thought if he just became a little bit more mature, if he became a little bit more godly, if he became a little bit stronger, he wouldn't have these needs. And God said, no, 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 no. Those, those are needs I put in the man. So together you complete him. Together you are one. Together you are a picture to the world of Christ and his church. And when I started learning these things, um, it still made it hard. But then instead of blaming God, my husband, I kind of blamed God for giving me such a difficult man. But We all have difficult ministries, and some of us have more difficult ministries than others. And we all go through difficult times in our ministry. And marriage is a ministry. And I think young women especially need to know that when they enter into marriage, they are entering into a ministry of being a helper and a completer of this man that God has created. And together, they can glorify God by showing the world how much God loves his church. I really appreciate that insight. And I agree that younger women, if they can start off with a good theology, a good worldview, a biblical worldview about marriage, it's going to be easy, 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 but at least they have a roadmap. But I think about older women who maybe their husband has retired and they're spending a lot of time together and all of a sudden things that maybe they overlooked before, they are really irritated by annoyances. And what counsel would you give if an older woman came to you and said, I don't know if I can stand living with him anymore because he isn't doing anything really wrong. He's just being who he is. Yeah, this is, it's tough to live with anybody, whether it's a family or husband or in-laws or But that's where we cry out to God for help and to the Holy Spirit for fruit and to take it day by day. You know, Jesus says, I don't want you to worry about tomorrow. Just go between now and bedtime. If you can handle between now and bedtime, then you've got it covered. And there have been many times when I had to bite my tongue, which often I didn't anyway, but I knew I should have. But having the fruit of the Spirit towards your husband 
is the key. And Sharon, I remember once being in your home when you had a bunch of women over for me to just share kind of last minute about my marriage. And I remember at the very end, a woman saying, Carol, what's, what's one word that you can leave with us that we should go back to, to our husbands today? And I cried out, you know, to the Lord, help me. And he gave me the word kindness. Just be kind. And I realized for so many years, I was kind to everybody in the world but I really wasn't showing the kindness to my very own husband. And that's kind of what you do in a marriage until your you know, death parts you. You just try to be kind. Well, I know that, and you've kind of alluded to it, is that God puts people in our lives kind of like sandpaper. And when yes. we enter into a marriage, we don't realize that that person we're married to, sinner that they are, is one of the best sanctifying forces in our lives because it takes us into our hearts where we see things about ourselves that maybe aren't so kind, maybe aren't so nice. And I love the way that you're bringing the attention back to ourselves. And of course, we're not talking about if you're in an abusive marriage, of course, kindness is there no matter what. But we know that if it's an abusive marriage, there's a different kind of help that you go for. But I'd really appreciate your insights there. Carol, uh, you, as I mentioned, you're 83, you travel the world. I'm in awe of your energy, uh, your passion, all the things that you do. You know, you don't just travel, you do all these other wonderful things. And we would look at you and we say, you are flourishing in old age. You know, the Bible promises that when we are old, we will be ever growing, ever green, that when we are planted in the house of the Lord, that we will flourish. And I see that in your life, you're flourishing, but you are unique. Most of us are not going to get on a plane to fly to a third world country and go to some of the places you've gone, no running water and sleeping on the ground and all those things that you have been through. But so what would you say to that woman who is watching you and feeling so discouraged, feeling like, oh my goodness, I, what am I doing? You know, where is flourishing for me? What would you say to that woman about flourishing? Well, when I think of flourishing, I think of bearing fruit. And again, the fruit of the spirit does not require you to go, to teach, to, to do anything. It requires you to let the Holy Spirit work through you. And the fruit of the spirit that I see in Galatians doesn't require knowledge. It doesn't require uh, teaching. It doesn't require going. It just requires you to be the kind of person you want. And as, as I travel around the world, most women in the world, they live what, you know, Billy Graham used to call the godly mundane. Uh, they get up in the morning, they prepare the food for their family, they wash the clothes, they work in their garden, they clean the house, they meet the needs of their husband and their children. They go to bed at night and they get up the next day and they do the very, very same thing. They don't have books. They don't have school. Many of them don't even have a Bible. But they can flourish in the eyes of the Lord because they're doing what God has asked them to do day by day by day. And so to me, maybe what I do looks dramatic, but in a way it takes more grace and I think more power of the Holy Spirit to live the godly mundane than to do dramatic things. And I admire women who are faithfully taking care of their, their husbands and their children and their homes and their, 
friends and doing the same thing day in and day out all over the world. In America, we lose sight of the fact that most of the women in the world have lives that are very ordinary and very plain and do the same thing day in and day out. And yet they have a joy that God can give them because they know they're in the center of God's will. And so flourishing is not doing or going. And by God's grace, I'm able to do some of those things, but it's, it doesn't have anything to do with being more spiritual. It just happens to be what I'm doing at the moment. And I believe that the most spiritual thing you can do is be faithful day in and day out in the calling that God has given you for this day. And that's why I admire women so much that I believe have that godly mundane in their life. Well, that's a good way of putting it. And I'm sure a lot of listeners are thinking, yeah, that's how I feel about my life. So let's, let's talk to that woman for a couple of minutes about she has that godly mundane. She is going from day to day, feels like she's doing the same thing over and over and over again. No break in it. And yet she loves Jesus and she wants to experience the fruit of the spirit. And, and people around her would say that she does display the fruit of the spirit. Are there intentional ways that she can flourish as she goes, you know, through the daily life that she has? She's already flourishing. We're going to agree. She's already flourishing in her intimacy with Jesus. But sometimes we have to be intentional in the practical ways that the love of Jesus flows through us in a way that invites others to taste and see that the Lord is good. So what are some practical things that you could see that people would say, oh, that's so insignificant. And yet it's definitely intentional and it's definitely flourishing. Well, I mean, I look back on my own life and I see women that have made a huge impact in my life, starting as a young girl. And every one of them thought they were insignificant in my life. So being insignificant does not mean that you're not being used by powerfully by God. But I do think that as we get older, there we have so much wisdom that we can impart to other people that we can write or we can share. Uh, sending cards to people is something that I do that's very intentional. I, I'm writing the story of the things I own. I, I'm purging my house of stuff. But if it has a story, I'm writing the story of why I'm keeping it. And a lot of our children and grandchildren need to know that we have things because of the stories that they tell. And so we need to tell those stories. We need to let our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren know that we're praying for them. And the power of, of a grandparent's prayers are profound. So praying for your family being kind and intentional to whoever comes into your life. I think it's important to use people's names, being intentional when you talk to the cashier to thank them by name, or when you get on the phone with some salesperson to find out their name and talk to them and use their name, or when you're in a situation at church to be the first person to smile. There are intentional things you can do as you get older that don't require muscles. <laughs> they don't require athletic ability. They don't really require money or any of those things. And I think those are the things you can be intentional in doing as you get older. Those, those are some really good practical things. You talk about some of the things that we have. I mean, like Chuck and I have been purging slowly but surely. And we know that our kids don't want most of what we have. Right. But there are some things that 
have great sentimental value that I think they might want if they knew the story behind it. And one of our kids said, why don't you write it out and, and tape it to the table underneath somewhere so that not only do you have a record of it that you can give to us when you're gone, that we can see uh, at exactly what you're talking about. And I, I think another thing about storytelling that we often are afraid to get into is exactly what you've done when you wrote about your marriage. But how can our broken places be restored, redeemed, as we are willing to share them with other people as part of our storytelling? God is in the business of healing broken lives. And the Bible is filled with illustrations of broken lives that God has redeemed. And I, I don't believe that God wastes one failure I don't believe he wastes one trial. Um, I love what it says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 1 and, and verse 4, where it says, God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person, just as God was there for us. And I think that every trial that we go through and every difficulty and every brokenness is an opportunity for future ministry. And you might not know it at the time, but I, I, I think that God will use that in the future and you can cry out to God to help you get through today, just today, so that you can be used by him to help someone else that's going through that same trial. Carol, we're gonna be wrapping up our conversation. And as we do, I'd like to, you to piggyback on everything that you've said really, but. Let's pretend that you're talking to one woman. Perhaps she's an older woman. Maybe she's a younger woman, but who really feels purposeless. Let's say it's an older woman, someone who perhaps is retired. She doesn't get to do what gave her value in her own mind. She is not able, perhaps because of physical limitations, to interact with people the way that she may have enjoyed doing it. And she just feels like she doesn't have any purpose anymore. What encouragement can you give to her? I probably can't give her any encouragement, but I know God can, and I know the Holy Spirit will. I have a woman that is a dear friend of mine. She was a missionary to Brazil. She is a wonderful, godly woman, very talented. Her husband now has Alzheimer's, and because of some of other medical conditions, they're not able to go anywhere or travel or do anything or even see too many people. But she is an encourager because she is able to help other people know how hard it is for her and that other people are not alone in that situation. And I think that's one of the things that to, to try to encourage people that you're not alone, that there are many people that are going through this, this sort of thing. And, and Jesus is there with open arms and will give us the hugs and the, and the, the love and the encouragement and the ability to go through today, day by day. And if we fail, that's okay, because God says his mercies are new every day. Um, I used to think I had to atone for all my failures of the past days. And I realized, no, 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 no. I just, today is a new day. And I don't have to worry about all the failures of yesterday. I can today cry out to God for help 
He's always there. We can come boldly before the throne of grace to ask for help and not to worry about tomorrow, but just to get between now and bedtime. And whether you fail or flourish, God is with you and you will be used by him. Carol, thank you so much. Uh, You are so right on saying the Lord is the one who encourages us and comforts us. And I really appreciate your mentioning of regrets that you look back and you you feel like you have to pay penance for the regrets of the past, but not when you know Jesus. His mercy is new every morning and his forgiveness is complete. And so I would uh, love if you are listening to this message, this conversation, and you're intrigued by our mention of Jesus and our relationship to him, but you're not sure that you know what we're talking about, please contact us uh, at markinc.org. And I would just love to have the privilege of showing you what it means to know Jesus, to experience the repentance and forgiveness of sins, and then to know that he is walking with you. He will never break his promise of his presence. So that's markinc.org, where you can reach out through the contact us link, and I will get in touch with you right away. Or you can talk to your Bible study leader or a friend who you know is a believer or to your pastor. No matter how long you've been in the church, make sure that your relationship to Jesus is secure, that you really do know him as your savior. I'm Sharon Betters, and you have been listening to a Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries, and my guest has been Carol Arnold. And I'm just so delighted by the conversation that we've had. You heard me mention a book, Aging with Grace, Flourishing in an Anti-Aging Culture, and we'll have information about that book in the program notes as, as well as Carol's book, The Liberation of a Resentful Wife. Also some interesting information about Carol's life. She has lived quite a life and I have a feeling that the Lord has great plans continuing for a long time. So again, thank you so much for joining us. You can go to markinc.org and find more resources like this. Like us on Facebook, where you will be one of the first ones to know about our new resources. I'm Sharon Betters. Thank you so much for joining us.